0: Well, thank you, music friends. That was wonderful. Well, good evening. Uh, My name is Will. I'm the youth pastor here, and I have the opportunity to uh, bring the Word of God to you tonight. If you have a Bible, I'd like to invite you to turn to John chapter 11. The last time I was with you, I was expecting a son, and that Friday he arrived. And so Hatcher is with us this evening. Um, He's still working on the amens during my sermon, so right now he screams and cries instead, but it's just affirming my points, Um, so hopefully he won't be too much of a distraction. He loves singing, he just can't sing on pitch either yet as well. Well, we have been making our way through the I Am statements of Jesus Christ, and if you were to think about if there were only seven things or seven major things that you were known about, what would you want those things to be? Would you want to be known as a Christian? Would you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's your profession. You would want to be known that you are a pastor or a father or a husband or a kind person. In the book of John, John records for us seven statements of Jesus Christ. He tells us who Jesus is. And Jesus says, I am, and then he lists these seven things. And so he told us that he is the bread of life that He is the light of the world, that He is the door, that He is the Good Shepherd. And what we see tonight is that He is the resurrection and the life. As we look at these statements, we can see that there's a, a theme running through John, and that is this emphasis on life. Tonight we will see the resurrection and the life, but this word life is used over 30 times in the Gospel of John. We've seen Jesus say, I'm the bread of life in John chapter 6, verse 35. We've seen in John 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then John 10, 10 through 11, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And now we see that Jesus is the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11. It is on this fifth I Am statement that we will be focusing our attention on this evening. And this statement is placed in the middle of the story of Lazarus. Many of us know if we've grown up in church that Lazarus died and was buried and then was resurrected. And so as we look at that, we are going to look at the broader uh, story of Lazarus, but we're also going to focus in on the statement of Jesus Christ looking at who he is and who he says he is. In order to do that, we're going to divide this chapter into three main sections. First, we're going to see a plan for faith and glory in verses 1 through 16. A plan for faith and glory. Secondly, we will see a message of hope in verses 17 to 27. And lastly, we will see a resurrected life in verses 28 to 44. Let's pray as we begin this evening. God, how humble we are to come before you and worship your name. God, how beautiful the song sung by our music friends, that these young children are singing about you, singing the gospel. God, we thank you that we can come here freely, that we can study your word, that we can do that knowing that you are equipping us through your spirit to understand it, to become more like Christ. And so, God, I pray this evening that we will come to know more of who you are and who you are calling us to be. God, we pray that you will speak to us through your word. God, give me clarity of speech. God, hide me behind the cross, and may your message be spoken tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A plan for faith and glory in verses 1 through 16. The Gospel of John says, Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the, the, so the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God." So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, We begin this passage with a sick man named Lazarus. John tells us that Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. Lazarus from the town of Bethany, which lies on the east side of the Mount of Olives and is about two miles from Jerusalem. I'm not very good with geography, so if you want to know more about the town of Bethany, you'll have to ask Dr. Cliff because he's probably been there. But it's two miles from the east side of the Mount of Olives. And so Lazarus is quite ill, so Mary and Martha send a messenger to Jesus in hopes that Jesus will heal him, understanding that Jesus has the capability with a word to save Lazarus. And then in verse 3 and 5, it tells us that Jesus loved both Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but what does Jesus do when he hears that Lazarus is sick? Look back at verse 6 through 7. He says, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. You would expect that if Jesus really loved Lazarus, if he really loved Mary and Martha, that he would immediately go and heal him. Or he would at least say the words, Your brother is healed. But instead, he stays for another two days where he was. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, it seemed awkward. I thought, what if this was our policy at First Baptist? When anyone is ill and on their deathbed, instead of visiting them at the hospital, we'll just wait two days, and then we'll go see them. Most of us would want someone to arrive immediately to take care of them. But Jesus has a purpose, and that purpose is in verse 4. It says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. We see that Lazarus' illness has a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify God. What we come to find out through these passages is that God often uses our pain and suffering in our own lives for His own purposes. That He has a plan even when we are sick or in pain or suffering, And apparently it was more loving for Lazarus to experience death and his sisters to be put through grief in order for God's glory to be magnified. God's word and his promises should be believed even in the midst of discouraging circumstances. We see that even in the midst of death, of sickness, that God is in control, that God is seeking to be glorified. And so Even in our suffering, it often produces glory to God. We must never measure God's love for us by how much health or wealth or comfort He has given us. Instead, we measure God's love by how much of Himself He gives us. And how much did He give? He loves us so much that He gave His one and only Son in order that we may have life and have it abundantly. One commentator puts it this way. He says, God's love for his own is not a pampering love. It is a perfecting love. We must never think that love and suffering are incompatible. Certainly, they unite in Jesus Christ. It is not important that we Christians are comfortable, but it is important that we glorify God in all that we do. It is not important that we Christians are comfortable, but it is important that we glorify God in all that we do. As humans, our instincts would be to look at this passage and say, Jesus, why would you not heal Lazarus right away? Why would you not comfort him? Why would you not make him better? But as we see, God had bigger plans. Our frail human eyes do not see the hope in this situation. But we are reminded that Jesus is the master of every difficult situation we come in contact with. As the psalmist records the words of God in Psalm fifty sixteen. it says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Now that Jesus has waited two days, he tells his disciples that it's time to return to Judea. The disciples, remembering what had just happened a few days before, are a little weary to return. In the previous chapter in John 10, we see that Jesus is almost stoned for claiming to be the Son of God. And the Jews are seeking to arrest him, and Jesus barely escapes. And so the disciples, wondering, why in the world will we go back to where they are trying to kill you and arrest you? But Jesus, knowing that the time has not yet come for him to depart, says in verses 9-11, through Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Jesus is reminding his disciples that his work on earth is not yet done. His time has not yet come. There are still hours in the day, the light is still shining, and it is shining brightly. And so he knows that the night is coming, but his appointed time has not yet arrived, and therefore he says, we must go to Lazarus. He tells his disciples that Lazarus has fallen asleep, and his disciples take this statement literally. They say, okay, well, if he's sleeping, then he's resting, he's getting better. Why would we go back? And then he tells them, no, indeed, he has actually passed away, he has died. And so Jesus here is referring not to literal sleep. He is stating that Lazarus has died, which is explained in verse 14. And he reiterates what he has stated in verse 4, that Lazarus's death is meant to lead to God's glory and faith to those who will soon see an astonishing miracle. He says his death will lead to God's glory and it will bring others into faith and belief. So now that we have seen that there is a plan for faith and glory, let's now look at the message of hope in verses 17 to 27. It says in verse 17, "...now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." believe this. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Babs and I decided we wanted to have a kid last year, and we had talked about it, and she would gotten the fever when we moved back to Dublin, and I thought that I wasn't going to get the fever, and next thing you know, we're talking about having a child, and we discussed it, and Babs says, you know that it can take a long time to have a kid. And sometimes people can't have children, and sometimes you have to adopt, and sometimes it can take years. And so next thing you know, I'm scared to death, and I say, well, we've got to have a kid right now. And we begin to, to attempt to have a child, and I'm thinking that we have a hope for maybe six months to a year. We might have a child, or, or maybe two or three, um, hopefully not longer than that. And next thing you know, in June, we find out that we are pregnant. And nine months later, Hatcher arrives, and what we thought was going to take six months to a year down the road ended up happening right around the corner. What seemed to be a hope for the future ended up being a hope for the present. And so God took something that we were hoping for eventually and decided to change our lives and our sleep cycles forever. And so in a similar way, we see that Martha had hope for the future. Martha knew the ultimate end to Lazarus. And she lived her life that way, knowing that there was a future hope. But Jesus had other plans. He takes Martha's understanding of the resurrection out of the future and places it into the present. He says, I know you have a hope for the future, but look at what I'm doing right now. He would reveal that his resurrection power was available that day. John tells us that Lazarus had been dead for four days. This was of importance for the Jewish faith. Many people believe that the spirit of the deceased would hover around the body for three days in anticipation that maybe there would be re-entry into the body. But on the third day, though, it was believed that the spirit was locked out and all hope was lost. And so, therefore, for Lazarus to be risen on the fourth day would be nothing short of a miracle. And so Martha meets Jesus and reaffirms her faith in him. Jesus tells her that her brother will rise again and being a devout Jew, being uh, someone that believes in the resurrection, she states that she knows he will rise again in the last day. But Jesus has a bigger plan. He has a better hope and he responds with another I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus moved the resurrection from being a statement of faith and a future event into a person. His resurrection power is available today through him. And those who will place their faith in Jesus Christ will be raised from their spiritual death caused by sin. We can partake in the resurrection and gain everlasting and abundant life today, not just in the future. And John has written of this before. He said in chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life, speaking of Jesus Christ, and the life was the light of men. In 524, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. And then in 1 John five eleven through 12 it says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Those who believe in Christ, though they die of physical death, shall gain eternal life. And those who believe in him will never face an eternal death. Jesus reveals that there is neither resurrection nor life outside of himself. Jesus then poses a question to Martha. He asks if she believes this claim, this statement of who he is. And she responds in the affirmative. She says, yes, I do believe. There is no hesitation in her faith. She responds with three titles for Jesus. She calls him Lord Christ and Son of God. She has a personal belief in who Jesus is. Her response, I believe, is in the perfect tense. It's basically stating, I have believed and I will continue to believe. Oh, that we would too respond to Jesus in this way, that we would acknowledge that he is the Lord of our lives, that he is Christ crucified for our sins, and that he is truly the Son of God. We do not claim some abstract belief about Jesus Christ, but instead we are called to have a personal belief. A response like Martha stating, I have believed and I will continue to believe. And so just as Jesus has told us that he not only provides bread from heaven, but that he is the bread of life, so too does he not only raise the dead on the last day, but he himself is the resurrection and the life for us today. And lastly, we see a resurrected life. Verse 28 through 44. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her We see here the humanity of Jesus Christ. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor... For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Once again, we are reminded here of God's plan and Christ's plan for glory. Verse 41, So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account for the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The story concludes here with Jesus calling Lazarus to life. Jesus moves into dead and seemingly hopeless situations and restores life to Lazarus. His word restored him. And it's that same word that restores us today, that raises sinners from their spiritual death. Lazarus' experience illustrates for us our own story of being dead and then being raised to life. in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We too once were dead, decaying in our graves like Lazarus. Before Christ, we seemed like a hopeless cause. But then God's Son raised us from the dead. We were given the power of the resurrection and new life through our faith. In Him, we were set free from the entanglements of sin and shame, just as Lazarus was unbound and let go. Christ is calling us by name. His Word has resurrection and life giving power. I read once that it was a good thing that Jesus said Lazarus when he called him out, because if not, the entire cemetery would have risen up. It would have been a little awkward, and a little scary. But the good thing for us is that he is calling each of us by name, that he is calling your name tonight, seeking to restore you from death to life, from decay to resurrection, from sin to holiness. And so we must ask ourselves, will we arise from the grave as Lazarus did. Will we come to know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Cliff mentioned this morning, will you take hold of eternal life today? First Timothy 6.12 said, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Our hope of eternal life should affect the way that we live today. We not only hope for the future, but we live in light of that future. When we are raised from spiritual death by Christ, others should be able to tell by our walk, talk, and rejection of our old life. Lazarus was commanded to come out, to come out of death into life, to be unbound from the things of death and to take hold a new life. And we must do the same. We must continually put on the new, as Paul states in 2 Corinthians, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. He is the Lord Christ, the Son of God. Will we respond in the affirmative as well? Will we realize that even in the midst of our suffering, of our pain, of our difficult circumstances, that God is working to glorify his name? Our hope is placed on a resurrected man, but not Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died again. But Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, who was buried for three days, then rose to life, conquering death. Cliff mentioned several weeks ago John's, John Owen's book title, and it sums up this message pretty well. We celebrate the death of death in the death of Christ. We stand today celebrating the death of death in the death of Christ. As we conclude tonight, I want to look at 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is where we gain spiritual resurrection and eternal life. If you do not know him tonight, be like Lazarus, answer the call, leave the the bonds of sin and shame behind, and walk in newness of life. And if you have tasted of this eternal life. If you have known Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Christ, as your Son of God, knowing that that is who he is, then walk and talk and live in a way that reflects what you believe. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this evening knowing that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, knowing that apart from him we are dead that we are caught in our sin and our shame, hopeless, that God, because of your great love, you have sent your Son to die on the cross, to be buried and to be risen again, overcoming death, conquering death, in order that we may have spiritual life. God, may we be reminded of that today. May we be reminded of that tomorrow, that you are calling us out of our sin and shame that you are calling us to walk in newness of life today. That we look forward to eternal life with you, but we live in light of that truth today. That the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we communicate with others, God, that our perspective would be focused on you and not ourselves. God, in hopeless situations, may we remember your great miraculous power. That you have the ability to raise those from the dead. And so, God, may we trust in you in difficult situations. May we turn to you knowing that we can trust you. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeff comes to close us in a hymn of invitation. It's an opportunity for you, if Jesus is calling your name, to come down and make a decision of faith. Or if you need to be prayed for, you can come as well. Please stand as we sing.